0: the Jewish Divorce Project, because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help.
1: Shana Tova!
0: That's a brand new year. Brand new year, brand new podcast.
1: Five, seven, eight, one. Happy New Year! That was- sounds like
0: a captain. Five, seven, eight, one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How was it for you? How was your Rosh Hashanah for you? Um,
0: it was. It was not bad. It was, you know, had its high moments and low moments. I guess I I flew to Colorado to spend time with some family with my siblings, which was amazing, and just all of the complications of COVID. And realities of single parenting all of that combined didn't necessarily leave it as the most spiritually connected experience so I would say good time with the family not the not the most spiritual holiday I've had
1: yeah yeah there was a like a wet blanket uh, on top of things <laughs> uh, here we actually we had the first blue skies in a couple of weeks from all the the wildfires uh, subsiding a little bit uh, and that was really lovely, and still we were limited in what we could do. I tried its best just to give the boys a a Rosh Hashanah experience where they could, you know, even though we weren't supposed to blow the shofar, they could still blow the shofar in the house and practice their skills. And there was a lot of apples and honey dipping, and uh, I wanted to take them for a hike to a, a lovely place for Tashlik, but of course we couldn't because some of the trails are still closed because of the smoke in the area. So it was just, it, it was like that. It was, you know. Uh, I was part of the experience occurring as Rosh Hashanah happened regardless uh, and I was happy to get caught up in its coattails in some way even if it wasn't as personally spiritually uh, deep as I wanted it to be and I certainly hope it was something for the boys that they recognized it I worked I certainly worked hard on the food for that reason
0: what was the best dish you made
1: Friday night chicken. It was just Friday night delicious chicken recipe that my mother gave me and the boys loved it. So it was really just nice being able to do that. And I think that in and of itself, having a nice Rosh Hashanah dinner in which we sat down and saw each other was, was what was supposed to happen. And my ex came over, Tamar was there, it was lovely too. And it was lovely, I think, fa- family experience for the boys, uh, which was great to provide for them as well. So that I think is a real win.
0: Yeah.
1: And now that that's over, wonderful. <laughs> now we
0: have the next big one to look Thinking to about
1: Yom Kippur is if the pressure for Rosh Hashanah wasn't enough, I have to worry about, we all have to worry about judgment day on the horizon.
0: <laughs> when you were growing up, so the the, the topic that we're gonna talk about is forgiveness because it's so yeah. timely right. and because it's so um, relevant to divorce, so we thought this would be a, a really, really great topic to discuss. But I'm curious, when I was growing up, yeah. Kids, you you know there there's like I don't know if it's an Orthodox. I don't know I don't know how far this extends, but this practice that you have to ask somebody forgiveness, and if you ask it three times and they don't forgive you, then it's on them. You've transferred the onus of responsibility on them. So you would say, "Are you Michael? Are you Michael? Are you Michael? Are you Michael?" Michael, And then if they say no, then it's not your problem anymore. (laughs) And I think it's funny as an adult now because it's this inability to actually take responsibility and doing the action that you think, instead of actually being standing behind what really means to forgive or ask for forgiveness.
1: You're absolutely right. And I certainly grew up with that idea that I think that's a wonderful idea that all kids grow up with, which is to say that it's not enough just to try once to ask for forgiveness. You have to try uh, at least three times as a way of demonstrating your sincerity and your desire to reconcile. And if not, well, you know, there's even further layers, which is to say that you have to have witnesses who can, you know, uh, identify and and testify to the fact that you actually did this three times. And then, yeah, it is on the other person. I think that's Rambam. I think that's Maimonides who says something like that. And uh, all those are wonderful mechanisms, even for adults to remember that you are part of this process, that forgiveness is not just a one-way street. If you want to get forgiveness, which is essentially appeasing the other person it's them letting go it's them stopping being angry at what's upsetting them right and if you want that then you have to demonstrate to them that that is something you are willing to earn and Judaism offers that as a as a mechanism in that way for anyone whether you're children or an adult to know that you have tried sincerely but the other person also has to meet you there and want to let go of it because then it becomes what like that hot so thing
0: interesting that that's so interesting that that's your perspective because I see it as the opposite. I, I see it as incredibly insincere. What a surprise. What a surprise. I, I don't think it's teaching. I think it's teaching our children just to do pay verbal homage, um, that you're not actually teaching the steps to really look inside yourself where, and take responsibility. It's just, if I do these steps, I'm, it's a checklist. I always felt like it's a checklist and then not actually teaching what it really means to step into forgiving and forgiveness.
1: Well, let's be honest.
0: And that, there's, also, there's so much insincerity right. behind it. Like just that. Are you Michael? Are you Michael? Are you Michael? That's not sincere.
1: You want to translate Michael, what you're saying? For Do everyone. You forgive.
0: And Mechila means forgiveness. So you, you'd say, Are you Michael? Are you, are you forgiving me? Are you Michael? Are you Michael? Are you Michael? You ask it three times and then you're, you're good to go. Well,
1: there's no question about it that anyone would have to worry about the legitimacy of. Whether or not your appealing for forgiveness is valid and truthful and really that sincere, yeah, the idea of have you changed and learned from your mistakes or the way that you have wronged the person matters. There's no question about it as to whether or not someone is actually going to believe you. You know, if you if you miss a meeting several times and then you know you miss it again, right? Should the person um, be willing to trust whether or not you're going to be there the next time? Um, you know, can you make up things? Can you, you know, reconcile from that in some way? Yes, you can. Uh, and the person has to be able to see that. Those things though are somewhat separate. Growth and forgiveness can be separate things, but are they necessary for one another? Yes, absolutely.
0: It's just making me think. Um Look back in your life, let's see, even recently, what helps you forgive? When somebody says, I'm sorry, or the action when they stop doing what they're doing, or they do something differently, or they take action that goes above and beyond? Which is the part that actually tapped into, you know what, they actually do feel bad, and they have changed, and I am ready to forgive.
1: Well, there's actually a lot there, I think. I think... You know Marge Percy offers a great poem about um, the art of forgiveness. She talks about it being you know how we think it's such a a grand thing to be able to forgive someone, right I relieve you of this you know injustice that you've created, whether great or small in my life in that way uh, and sometimes forgiveness happens simply because we just don't have the energy to really you know hold on to the anger anymore right so it's got nothing to do as to whether or not the person has actually changed. It has to do with whether or not we've changed and we can let things go or accept that people are human and that they make mistakes, right? It could be that someone constantly makes the same mistake. And maybe it's not a big mistake, but they're mistakes and they're always forgiving for it. They're always asking for forgiveness. They're always apologizing. At what point do you say, it doesn't really matter anymore because I'm not that bothered by it?
0: I actually agree with you. And I, and I think that that is the crux of forgiveness. I think it stems from within yourself. And that's why this whole process to me seems like a joke because it's missing really the crux of what forgiveness is. It's that it's a self, it's a self-compassionate act to forgive. And it really has less to do with the other person and more to do with yourself. Let me ask you in your own personal life and in the divorce, what has helped you find forgiveness or get to that place? where you were able to see the future, invest in yourself and invest in your children?
1: I mean, certainly wanting forgiveness myself has gotten me to a point of humility and thinking about mistakes I made in the relationship and things I needed to be accountable for, right? How I impacted things. And knowing that if I wanted that, I would also have to provide it because if you want that type of reconciliation, forgiveness, you have to be willing to build trust and vulnerability towards that process. I think that was a realization I came to though, through the process of seeking support and assistance from friends and family and Trained professionals. Lord knows, my therapist was really helpful in that, and creating space for me to um, vent and do what I needed to do, and and holding, you know, uh, up a, a a reflective opportunity for me. And the same thing in my men's group uh, that I participated in, that I was participating in well before the divorce, that became um, a great vessel for me to process that experience with other, um, you know, friends and brothers who. Are going through that, or going through divorce, or went through divorce as well, uh, and experiencing that um, those things alongside them, and and seeing them connect with those things that I was going through. All of that um, offered me opportunity to really just think about what I wanted from this experience, and it always came back to forgiveness because of the pain involved and the wanting to move on and the need to grow from this experience. The only way I was going to get there was through forgiveness in one way or another. So it it was the whole kind of practice going through the divorce and after the divorce, um, and still through the divorce that, um, leads me in that direction.
0: I know for me, um, for sure a lot of what you just said that's definitely a huge part of forgiveness and that also relates to the accountability part where are you in this Uh um for me perspective is a cornerstone for forgiveness because we you know we're angry because we have a limited view and we have a certain view of how things should be how we should be treated and how the other person should act but they have a different story they have a different perspective and they're not going to be the same and learning how to step outside of my own perspective, which is limited, and see that there's another side, even if I can't see it, or even if I don't agree with it, it, it softened the blow of what I was interpreting as an intentional, you know, punch in the face or an intentional attack. It really isn't. It's two people interacting in a way where they're both trying to get their needs met and they, and they don't have that communication, which is what happens in a divorce. There's a reason you're getting divorced. You don't know how to meet each other's needs or communicate that. And there's so much hurt that goes into the process of the dissolution of it. And yet we we're divorcing because we recognize we can't meet each other's needs. And yet we often get so angry in the divorce process when this, what, what, what are we going to, what are we going to expect other than that we are going to continue to hurt each other, especially in such a vulnerable, frightening, and scary time. So being able to step out of perspective and see the other side to me really opened up the gateway to forgiveness.
1: That's also very difficult to do once you've been separated because then lives become very different and communication isn't so easy to do. I mean, if you wanted an opportunity to really step outside your own experience and understand that of your ex, you would need to have an opportunity for just to really sit and listen to them and try to hear them and try to experience that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, not at
0: all because why not? Everything is my imagination every your experience, you know you know your your reality is your perception that that's your imagination. you're creating stories around what you see, so I can create a story that that's not as hurtful. I don't need to hear his side, and you know what we especially when you've been married for long enough. You, you can, if you spend some time and try and put yourself in your partner's shoes, you can, you'd be surprised at what you'd, what you'd be able to see in terms of, oh, you know what, there is another side and I can see from their perspective. I, I've had a lot of awarenesses that had no conversations with my ex. I don't, I don't it's nice if you can communicate that, that, that creates an extra level of connection between the two of you to actually say, you know, I see your perspective, but I do not think that the other person is necessary in that process at all.
1: So when it comes to forgiving your ex for divorce, it's not important for you to understand what he was going through in his process of your marriage or you heard his experience of your marriage.
0: So I, I'm not forgiving him for divorce, but I it would be forgiving him for some of the things that happened in the divorce. And I'm able to see his perspective without hearing his side.
1: because of all the just information you have about him over the course of your marriage?
0: Um, Because of my understanding of humanity, because I I don't know, maybe it's unique. I I never thought of it as unique, but being able to step outside of your perspective and seeing it from the other side, I I was definitely able to do that. And it's not easy, (laughs) you know, you get tripped up because we want to feel pain. We want to feel, you know, there's a certain comfort in that experience of somebody's wronging me and I'm not getting what I want. But I I do think it's entirely possible to see somebody else's perspective without hearing their words because it's all made up in our heads anyway. You know how many times people have explained things to us. We don't even hear what they're saying anyway. Well,
1: there's no question about it that there's always a buffer zone between what someone else says and, and, and what we interpret. Uh, I, I think, though, that there's something missing if you don't try to see it from their perspective and try to understand it from what they were going through. I think that helps us to really move forward in life and become more understanding of humanity in general. How else do you prevent your
0: But I am trying to see it from world. his perspective. But I, I'm entirely trying to see it from his perspective. I just don't need him. For example, my, I, I did not get my get right away took a long time and it was a very painful process. And when I think about it to this day, it still triggers anger in me because it's an incredibly, um, constrictive and, um, what's the word (laughs) when you hold somebody down, suffocating, (laughs) suffocating, it's a suffocating experience and nobody should have the right to do that to somebody else. And I have a lot of platform to stand on, to be very angry. And at the same time, I've not really processed this with my ex. He's never really explained himself to me, but I can see it from his side. I can understand that he had a power card. He was worried about his position. He was, he was scared and all of the feelings that come along with divorce, and he had a hard time giving up that power card. Do I agree with it? No, but can I see his perspective? Yes, 100%, I can see his perspective. And my ability to see his side of it has helped me tremendously in letting go of the anger. And I, And also to add, I do believe that forgiveness can sometimes be an ongoing maybe lifelong process, because what gets triggered in me is is my child is my childlike needs. so what he did is just one stop on the way of a whole train of experiences that I've had since childhood, and so he, when i When this happened to me, it reminded me of you know everything else, all the other grievances I've had since I was a child. So in some ways, he's not even responsible. It's not even his issue' he's just triggering a past trauma. So recognizing that also has a lot of value to it.
1: I can certainly see how forgiveness as your own kind of uh, uh, practice for well-being would be really helpful in a circumstance like that as well.
0: Right. And so, and what I was going to add to that is that it's a continual process. So every time I'm reminded, every time I feel suffocated, or every time I feel that, you know, I don't have freedom or expression, that experience comes up again. And it's like, oh, okay, we got to go through this again. We got it. We still have to process this. I, I think that, that some of the deeper things that we experience that really make us angry, some of the abuse that that people experience, those are not easy to just, oh, I'm going to step into perspective. There are hard things to forgive and they are ongoing. And these are some of the tools to use in that process. There's
1: no question about it. And we should post also, you know, in whatever notes that we provide about this, that Judaism does offer different forms of forgiveness for different offenses that have occurred, right? There are forms of forgiveness for financial offenses of some kind, right? There's Forgiveness for personal slights, and then there's forgiveness for deeper abusive crimes that you know violate a moral quality in our lives. Absolutely, and those take different approaches to really trying to—I don't want to say—forget um, about them, for at least to make them right.
0: I would say step out of it. Step out. It, it, of it feels like when you're when you're you're stuck in quicksand. It's like it's like. You just can't get out and your whole world gets um, absorbed by your experience. And so I truly, I think that forgiveness is an act of stepping out. Yeah, I guess for forgiveness, I mean, I, I do believe that people can do things on their own, that they do have the answers within themselves. But when it comes to forgiveness for something that you're having a hard time letting go of, that what you were talking about, that mirror, that reflection from somebody else is really helpful because it is hard to see yourself or your accountability when you feel like you are so wronged.
1: And feeling like you're right uh, and in a position of power can be a really good feeling to have. It can be a wonderful place to be, but it loses its strength after a while. I mean, you can easily become the hypocrite in that way the more you, you know, maintain that power, the more you hold on to it and refuse to allow for forgiveness to come in. Yeah.
0: So forgiveness, huh? It's a it- dude- big concept it's quite a way to start the year
1: big concept big concept but very necessary
0: yeah i I think so and i think for for divorced people um that forgiveness and really truly understanding how to forgive and knowing yourself and what you're still holding on to a lot of times i think we think we're past things and we actually haven't fully processed them and then they just get buried and then triggered when something reminds us of them And I think really going over your past, going over the past year, the past 10 years, your marriage, your childhood, and finding those areas that you might still be holding on to. I do believe that that's just the foundational work for, for moving on and letting go.
1: This could also be a good period just to try to establish forgiveness as a practice too. I mean, we come together these, this period of time every year, as a way of kind of restarting the engine, right? Or revving the engine for the rest of the coming year, right? It's a way of recalibrating after we may have gone off, you know, path over the course of the last year. It's that one opportunity, right? Um, It doesn't have to be isolated during this time of year. It could be a regular practice that we take with us in any number of different ways. And there are small things that probably really just kind of require forgiveness. And doing that on a regular basis could help us you know, build up the strength it takes to forgive when it comes to larger things, which, you know, it's a lot like batting practice, right? The the more hits you take, the more opportunities for forgiveness you offer, the easier it becomes in the long run when you need to really step up to the plate for a big hit.
0: That's true. And I think that that kind of work starts with self-forgiveness and self-compassion. Sure. Right. And um, as much as we've talked about this whole time of forgiving others and extending that outwards, that same energy should and could be extended inwards. And, and I think once you know, those muscles, those forgiveness muscles get used. And with ourselves, we, are so, we often are so hard on ourselves and we talk to ourselves in ways that we would never talk to somebody else. And we think, and we're, we're very demeaning of how we process our own actions and changing that and working on self-compassion and self-forgiveness and then extending that outwards. That's a great practice.
1: It's probably the best way to ensure that you can actually forgive others, right? If you can't forgive yourself, how could you possibly really know what it is to forgive other people? Yeah. And you're right, that self-compassion is really important. The being able to say, it's okay, and I understand.
0: Right, because then you can now do that to somebody else and say, it's okay, and I understand. When Because when you when you have self-compassion for yourself, you're recognizing that you're a human, you make mistakes, you did your best, and you can try better. So mm. we can take that and extend exactly that same process onto somebody else. You're a human, you did your best, you made a mistake. Next time do better. And that's I a, think that's forgiveness.
1: And that's probably ninety percent of things that you could end up doing with the course of your day. And then when it comes to the bigger things that really require like deeper conversations, right? We're <laughs> kind of like
0: your day is ninety percent forgiveness and like 10% feeding your children. That's
1: forgiveness and 10% feeding your children. That's a wonderful, you know, just pie chart I have there on my wall.
0: That's like single parenting summed
1: up. 90% forgiveness and 10% feeding your children. But then, you know, when it gets to the bigger, you know, what are seemingly life or death decisions that you have, right, with um, people in your lives that have made major impacts on you that really, you know, I would say if they don't attack your physical well-being, they attack your emotional well-being and, and uh, those are really dangerous scenarios to be in and can you forg- offer forgiveness for those um, is when you really have to look deeply within. But practicing on the taller ones, I think is what makes it possible.
0: Powerful stuff. Agreed. Yeah, so we wish everybody some, uh, to step into some forgiveness practice at this time of year.
1: Dearly. And learn to grow from it as well.
0: Yeah. And then go over to everybody that you know and say, do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? And you'll be absolved. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Three times. You have to do it three times.
1: Or just and then you're do, do it to your ex and see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to, if you, <laughs> if you want to, send us your stories about forgiveness and how uh, they've been integral in your life.
0: Yeah, and include what which parts you struggled with and how you've overcome and been able to forgive even when it's been hard. We would love to hear those.
1: What's the email address? Do we have an email address that they should yes. send the stories to? The
0: Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com.
1: The Jewish Divorce
0: Project at
1: gmail.com.
0: And if people wanted to get in touch with you, Noam, how could they find out more about what you do and how to be in touch directly?
1: Uh, There are two different ways. Thank you, Sheva. Uh, You could reach me at Rauscher at gmail.com, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com, or at my website, www.rabbirauscher.com, R-A-B-B-I-R-A-U-C-H-E-R.com. Sheva, if people wanted to get
0: in touch- wait, 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 quickly, what kind of work do you do?
1: What kind of work do I do? I'm a uh, I'm, of course, a rabbi, an educator, and I'm also a professional life coach uh, in which I help people struggling with any number of challenges uh, that they face in their life. Perhaps you're uh, found yourself down in a pit somewhere. I'm willing to be the person who will get down in that pit with you and help you find your way out. Nice. What about you, Sheva? What, what do you share Thanks. with the world and how can people get in touch with you?
0: I am a single parent coach and I specialize in working with single parents and divorced families learning how to create an what I call an unbroken home so changing the imagery and the perception of what a family should look like and specifically I'm really passionate about this concept of reparenting so reparenting yourself knowing what patterns you get stuck in and how to break those patterns for yourself and for your children that's my that's my passion very and yeah, they can find me at, you can find me at um, my email, info at ShevaGanz.com, S-H-E-V-A-G-A-N-Z, or my website, ShevaGanz.com. I'm happy to hear from anybody with any questions or comments or for either one of us specifically, or for the podcast, we'd love feedback, comments, suggestions, things you'd like to hear us talk about. We are open, willing, and we're very forgiving. Exactly. You have we're be- very forgiving so whatever you send our way it's fine because we're very forgiving
1: you have to be forgiving we are very forgiving yeah maybe we'll share those stories of forgiveness in another episode
0: mm-hmm. let's just tease it out so that right. we get people listening
1: shana tovah everyone uh have a happy and healthy new year and a safe and meaningful fast
0: shana tova.
1: shana tovah.